Chapter number 14, find your place in the Word of God. We'll read in just a moment and then bring the message I believe the Lord would have me to in the service tonight. I do appreciate Brother Brown's message. May I, let me correct that. I appreciate the Lord's message that He gave us through His servant, Brother Brown. I really do. I praise the Lord for it. Thank God for the pastor here and all the other pastors. Thank God for my pastor. And I want to say again, thank God for God's men. God chose us as keepers of the flock. And one of the things that I've had to deal with all these years, I pastored 17 years. Then I left the pastor 35 years ago and I've been down with Brother Allen these 35 years. And I've had to be reminded in myself many times, I'm not the pastor. I'm not the pastor. He's never had to remind me. I'm glad for that. But I've had to remind myself, I'm not the pastor. My wife, for 17 years, stood in the first lady's place. She's reminded herself, I need to be out of the picture. Let Brother Allen's wife be that. I'll tell you, it's just a Bible principle that's worth our obeying and honoring, and God will bless us for it. Well, it's good to be back here tonight at Anchor of Holton. I'm going to wave to all you people up there and just say good to see all of you. Uh, I kind of feel like you ought to be down here with us, but I understand what you're doing. And I love this church, love this pastor and this people. Brother Haney, is he go out to smoke or where's he at? He's in here somewhere, but anyway, I appreciate Brother Amy. Love and appreciate him, and I appreciate the Lord, and of course, I appreciate Bible Baptist as well, and many of you are from other churches, and I'm glad you're here as well also. I need to mention two things real quickly. Pastor just reminded me of this. This week, I just released a 27-page book on dealing with doubts. You can be saved and know it. They're small. I'm just saying, give an offering on the radio, a couple of dollars or more, and you can have one. If you don't have $2 and you need it to read it, I'll give it to you. But I find probably one of the greatest problems, one of the greatest burdens and battles that individuals have as I've traveled across this country all these years is dealing with doubts. I want to make a statement, Pastor. Doubts don't mean you're lost. But at the same time, doubts ought to be the exception and not the rule of your life. There is an answer to be found in the Word of God, the witness of the Holy Ghost, and the work of grace that will settle your doubts and give you victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. My books are back in the fellowship hall, or back in the next room there. You can get them if you want one or some to take them and give them out, use them to the glory of God, and God will bless you for it. Now, to our Chattanooga friends, to our Chattanooga friends, I'm sure most of you have done heard by now. They are shutting down WFLI next Friday. We've got one more week of WFLI, 50,000 watts, reaching to four states, 65 counties. And the lady who owns it said, I'm tired of fooling with it. Shut her down. And so next Friday, and I began Monday a series on the book of Revelation. And next Friday will be the last time my radio broadcast is heard in the Chattanooga area. But there's an exception. We're in the process of setting it up. I thought we had it set up, but it's not completely set up. I'm setting up a podcast. Now, I don't know what a podcast is, but we got one. <laughs> I know what a pot of pepper is, but I don't know what a podcast is. Like, wear that on your foot or something if you break a foot. I don't know. You know what it is. And you can go to harvesttimebroadcast.com and sign up for the podcast. And each night at 12.01 midnight, it will drop tomorrow's broadcast into your iPhone or your iPad, and you can listen to it 
that way. Pray God's able to work out something, but pray for the will to be done of the Lord in this matter. All right, let's open our Bible, please. I'll be as brief as the Holy Ghost will allow me to be. And uh, I appreciate the message Brother Brown preached. And for some unknown reason, Brother Chris, about a week ago, God reached way back in the depths of my mind and pulled out something and laid it on my heart to deal with it, and it's not left. I want to deal with it tonight as the Holy Spirit directs me to do so. In the book of Matthew, chapter number 14, now, in verse number 15 through verse number 21, there is a familiar story of the little lad who feeds a little lunch, who has a little lunch, gives it to a great big Lord, has a whole lot left over. We hear that a lot. But let's begin in the following verse, in verse number 22. The Bible said, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter said unto him, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. And they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of the truth thou art the Son of God. Then, then they, then, then they that were, then they, then, so the, let me write it, get verse 33, verse 34. The Bible said, and when they were gone over, they came unto the land of Genesaret. Keep your Bible open. Let's bow our heads and hearts for a moment of prayer. Then the message from God's eternal word. Our precious heavenly father. Again, dear Lord, tonight in the throne of grace and mercy, in Jesus' name, I bow before you in prayer. Lord, I do want to say thank you for the joy of salvation. Thank you, dear Lord, for the wonderful privilege that I've enjoyed and the majority of this crowd has to be born in America. Lord, to be born around churches, Bibles, Christians, preachers, to have access to the house of God, the men of God, the word of God, and the work of God all of our lives. Thank you, Lord, for these blessings. Thank you, Lord, for Jubilee again and the privilege, Lord, to be here. Father, I feel like I need about four days of Jubilee. I pray, dear Lord God, that you will pour it out on us and do in our lives that, dear Lord, that needs to be done. I pray, dear Lord, you touch every man of God that preaches, touch every singer that sings, touch every individual that comes in this building on these grounds. 
Do bless all those here, Lord, that will serve in whatever capacity they serve in. Lord, I ask you above all, would you do these two things? Would you help us to open our hearts and our minds to the Word of God and the Spirit of God? Then, dear Lord, second, would you open your Word to our hearts in a manner that will help us with whatever area of help we need in these days. Now help me, dear Lord, to help your people bless us together and bless the meeting. I'll praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. And amen. Thank you. May be seated. Do keep your Bible open, please. Just sing in for the message for tonight from the Word of God. It will take me just a few moments to get where I'm going, so I hope you'll bear with me. But I need to lay a foundation for you to understand so you'll know where we're going tonight. In studying the Bible, we always first should look for the primary interpretation. What does it mean as it was written, when it was written? Let me, you know this, and I'll try to give you this to understand. Those seven church letters in the book of Revelation, they have a primary application, Brother Chris, in the sense that there was a church at Ephesus, there was a church at Smyrna, there was a church at Pergamos. There were problems that God deals with. There were people there, and God had the answer. He is a problem solver. But also there is a practical application. That simply means, Pastor, both of you pastors, all men of God, can look and see their own church problems laid out. Make it applicable to faith Baptist. Make it applicable to Bible Baptist. Make it applicable. Thank you. And there's a message there. Are you with me? Number three, there's not only the primary, not only the practical, but thirdly, there's a lot of personal lessons. Brother Steve, it is impossible for me to lead my first life. Are you with me? Then number four, there's not only the the primary, there's a practical, there's a personal, but there's a prophetical. When you study those seven church letters, you see church history Pre-written this prophecy in the days of John the Beloved, and it covers the span from the rapture, from the beginning of that church at Ephesus until the rapture of the church that is true and the spewing out of the church that is false in those last days. Now, are you with me on that? That's what we learn from, we call it practical preaching, or we use types and learn from that. Now tonight, I want to do some typical preaching, some typology in the story that is before us. Watch me, don't miss what I'm fixing to say. In Bible study, the church is pictured by the boat. In Bible study, a body of water is a picture of the world. And what I want to preach on tonight is don't jump ship, stay with a boat. Now, here's the burden of my soul tonight, and Brother Brown set a good foundation for it. But we are a generation where the church, churches, local churches, in so many people's eyes and mind, have lost its reverency. Reverency. For some reason, church don't mean much. To a lot of people anymore. It has become so easy. I know everyone could say this. People I used to know, I thought to be in church all their life. 
are no longer attending the church. And by the way, the church, I don't want to be in trouble, but let me speak plain, can I? Mr. Schofield, I don't believe is right when he said two or three gathered in his name is a, is a picture of a local church. I don't believe two or three make a church. I believe a church got to have a pastor. I believe a church got to have some officers. I believe a church constitutes an organization as well as a living organization. I'm not being mean. I just want you to see where I'm going tonight. But we in our day are seeing a generation that is replacing the visible, local, organized church with their own little religious organization. And in doing so, they think, boy, we're getting close to God. I just want to remind you tonight, Christ did not love Bible studies and give himself for them. He did not love home groups and give himself for them. He did not give discussion groups and give himself for them. Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. And you study the Word of God, and basically everybody in the Bible that got right with God lined up with a church that was organized in doing the work of God. I hate to say it, and I know a lot of churches have lost their fire. They've lost the touch of God. And really, preach, I can understand why some people don't want to attend. Some churches are dead. But two wrongs don't make a right. You say, preacher, what do you do if you're in a dead church? Number one, you pray that God will help you be a part of reviving it. And if God don't revive it, then pray God will get you out and get you somewhere where there is reviving. And God will do it to the glory of God. But don't let the thought come in your mind. I don't need the church anyway. I don't need the church anyway. I want to go on record. I may be stalling for time, but I want to go on record and tell you, I love the church. I love, can I use a personal pronoun? I love my church. I love my pastor. I love our singing. I love our preaching. I love our praying. I love our place of worship. I'm telling you, my church means something to me. And I know that those people that feel like as long as they're in any church, they'll be all right. I'm walking, treading lightly. I know some men that feel that way about a woman. As long as they got a woman, no matter whether they're married to them or not. And I'm telling you, God, did you know it's the same word in the Bible we talk about marriage and we talk about the church? Join. You join to your wife. You're joined to your wife. You see, when you're joined to somebody, it becomes a living, integrative part of you. You become a part of it. And that's what the church ought to be in our life. Now, I want you to see me tonight. I want you to stay with me. Simon Peter in this story, decides there's a better way than staying in the boat. It'll be different, but stay with me. Let's look at the Word of God. If you will, please look at your Bible. In verses number 15 through verse number 21, now the story of the Lord breaking that lunch and feeding it. Now watch me just a moment. I'm going to get fast to get where I'm going. 
If you know your Bible, the message behind that miracle is that Christ presented himself as the bread of God from heaven to feed hungry souls. There's three things about that lunch. It's a type of Christ dying for the world. Number one, it was to be shared with all. Number two, it was sufficient for all. Number three, it satisfied all. So in the offering of that little lad, you have occasion of the death of Christ. Byron was the second thing in this occasion. Look at verse number 22. Immediately after this picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the Bible said in verse number 22, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples, watch your Bible, to get into a boat and go before him until the storm came. That's not what it says, is it? To go before him, how far? To the other side. Is that what your King James Bible says? So the Lord said to them, I want you to get in a boat, stay in the boat, and go to the other side. Come on, that's his orders. I want you to know something else. The Bible said when he done that, then the Bible said, and he went up into a mountain to pray. That's a type of his ascension and intercession that he makes there at the right hand of God, the Father. So the orders are that you get in the boat and you go to the other side. Don't you says the orders also these three things. First of all, I want you to notice there's a period of the order. Straightway, immediately, as soon as Christ died, he put them disciples in the church, in the boat, and told them, to go to the other side. Notice number two. There's a proclamation. God said, get in the boat and go to the other side. Can I ask a question? What part of that do we not understand? Get in the boat and go to the other side. Don't want you to know it's a progression of those orders. He said, get in the boat and go unto. Watch me just a moment. Get in that boat, stay in the boat, and wave after wave, calm time, stormy time, stay in the boat till you get to the other side. If you read your King James Bible, that is their orders. But then number two, I want you to notice, I know there's orders, but in verse number 24, there's opposition. They have not been in the boat long with sails smoothing, until a storm arises. Look at me a moment. Draw an application. I don't care what church you're a member of. There have been storms risen against every church that belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. There will be some strong winds. The Bible calls them contrary winds. Can I say this tonight? We're in a generation where strong winds are beating upon the church. In our generation. I'm not going to deal with it. But there's the callous callous winds of Calvinism. There's the carnal winds of the charismatic. There is the conniving winds of the the commercial. And there's the chilling winds of the compromiser. Every time a church starts doing something, hey, you say, preacher, we got problem in our church. It will not be the last. And if you leave and go somewhere else, you're going to find problem over there as well. Churches have storms. 
But Jesus said, get in the boat and go to the other side. Now watch me just a moment. When the storm comes, I'm not being mean. Peter was happy in the boat as long as there's no storm. I believe I pastored some of them guys. As long as there's no problem, boy, they're shouting it out. Best church in the world, best pastor in the world. Whoa, thank God what a great church we got. And then a little storm comes up. And they start looking for an exodus opportunity. All of a sudden, they're not satisfied anymore with the church, with the preacher, with the people of God. And so Peter's been instructed to get in the boat and go to the other side. And now then, he finds himself in a storm and he goes to looking for some way to get out. Every pastor that's ever pastored a church has experienced that with members one time or another. Many times, most times. They're well as long as there's no storm. But when the storm comes, they're ready to move out and let somebody else do it. To do that. Notice again, if you will, please, look at verse number 25. The Bible said, but, uh, verse 24, But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, paused with waves, for the wind was contrary. Verse 25, And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came unto them, walking on the sea. Now watch this. They're out there in the midst of the sea. It's dark, 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 the first, fourth watch of the night. And Jesus comes walking on the sea. Now, before I pick up that conversation, I want to ask you some questions because I want you to go with me. What was the orders? What were the orders? Get in the boat. Go to the other side. Can I get an amen? Have I lost everybody yet? Get in the boat. Go to the other side. By the way, I just go ahead and say this. There ain't no boat, there ain't no other boat going to the other side. Forgive my English, but that's right. Good preaching. The only thing getting out of here is the church. Stay with that local church. But now notice this. Had they carried out those orders? The orders, get in the boat, go to the other side. Had they carried it out? No. No, they're still in the midst of the sea. Boy, y'all look at me like a cave looking at a strange gate right now. They're still. Well, let me ask you another question. Did Christ change his mind? Did he change orders? I asked you another question. Was Christ coming to the ship? He wasn't coming to the water. He's coming to the ship. That shepherd will return to the ship. The keeper looks after the ship. Let me ask you another question. It was going to be a while before Christ was in the ship, but when he does come, he will speak to those in the boat. Peace be still. I want you to look at your Bible, please. Verse number 29. I want you to notice the outcome. What happened? Look at your Bible. Verse number 29. The Bible said, I need to back up verse number 27. The Bible said, but straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Look at me just a moment. I'm skipping too much. I don't want to take too long, but I do want to get this in. They're out there the fourth watch of the night. Dark as dark could be. And all of a sudden, I'm going to, please stay with me. Brother Grabley, it's really like what you and I say, they see a ghost, a spirit, a light being floating across 
You know what they did? They cried out with fear. I would have too. But then Peter said, verse number 27, But Jesus spake and said to them, Be of good cheer, and as I be not afraid. Now look at verse number 29. Verse number 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. I want to ask you a question. You just have to think on this and come to the answer yourself. Why didn't Peter say, come on to the boat, we're waiting on you? Why didn't he say, Lord, if that's you, let me break your law and get out of what you told me to get in and go to the other side? Now, I want you to see something there. Peter then said, Lord, if it be you, bid me come. Now, don't miss this statement I'm about to say. I've worked all the way up here to get to here. There's a great danger in asking God for second orders when you have not carried out first orders. Balaam said to God, can I go up and curse the people of Israel? And God said, no. And for three times God said, no. And finally God said, all right, go on. Boy got up there, that donkey is smarter than he was, saw that angel and crushed his leg in the wall. It suffers, it brings suffering when you will not listen to first orders and you seek second orders. So they get out. Notice the Bible again. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If. I just have to come to the opinion, Peter wasn't even sure as the Lord. I marvel by the goose with the preacher people that's willing to leave the church and not even sure God's in it. If it be thou. If it be thou, come. And on one word, come, Peter's willing to forsake everything God told him to do in the boat and step out into the storm. And Jesus said, Come, watch your Bible closely. Verse number 29. And when he, Peter, watch this. He said, come. And when he, Peter, was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, we learn from the Bible, Jesus is already headed to the boat. But Peter don't want to wait on God's way. He wants to get God on his side and do it. They came more outstanding than others probably. But there's two or three things I want you to look at your Bible. I believe there was a word in this 1611 Bible is inspired. Why right, let me read it again. Verse number, 20, verse number 29. The Bible said, and when he was come down. Every time you leave church, you're headed down. Nobody ever climbs closer to God by leaving the church. Now look again at your Bible. When he was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water. Look at this. To go to Jesus. Now look at me. Look at me. It don't say he went to the, he come down the boat and, and went to Jesus. 
But he left the boat with an intention to go to Jesus. But he never made it. Hear what I'm fixing to say. The devil will show you all kind of spiritual advantages if you just leave behind the church. Boy, if you just get out in that crowd, if you get out in that preacher, you get out in that uh, group of people. But when you get out of the boat, you're going to find out two things. It's not like you thought it would be. And number two, you will never accomplish getting out of the boat what you thought you would accomplish while you was in the boat. I'm telling you, Brother Grant, this thing has stirred my heart. I haven't preached this in some years, but it stirred my soul. And I, I, I can't help but wonder. I know God didn't just send this for me to preach a little while. I wonder who in this building is already entertaining thoughts of leaving the church. saying, I don't need that preacher. I don't need that pastor. I don't need that building. I don't need that getting together. I don't need them other saints. Me and God's got our own thing and we'll make it ourselves. You don't know the God of this Bible and the way God works. They left the boat to go to Jesus, but he never made it. I need to repeat that, preacher. I'm telling you, the devil will show you every advantage he can if you just get out of this church. You just quit fooling with regular. And I know there's some organized Christians, Christians and churches. Dead. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about churches that are alive in God's churches. But I want to tell you something. You remember this? That devil is a liar. And the father of liars. He don't want to get you out of the church to get you closer to God. He wants you to get you out of church to get you away from what you've got in the church with God and God's people. Look at the Bible again, verse number 29. And Jesus said, come. When Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now look at verse number 30. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Let me break that apart. And when he saw the wind boisterous, look back down at verse number 24 in the last line. And then I want you to look up at me because I want to talk to you face to face. There will be storms in the church. But while he's in the church, what is in the boat, the storm is just contrary. The wind's just contrary. But when he gets out of there with no footing, no fellowship, the same storm that was contrary to the church now becomes boisterous. What you're uncoupled with in a church, you get out of the church and you may drown in the storm. All over our nation tonight, there are thousands upon thousands who used to sing and the choir shouted out, have a good time in the church. And they listened to the wrong thing and went another way. But so God forsook the church. And now then they're out there in that storm. And it is a boisterous wind that beats upon them every day of their life. But then I want you to notice this. Peter walked on the water. 
but he did not make it to Jesus. Peter learned that when the wind was boisterous, uh, Peter learned that the wind was boisterous when he got out of the ship. While he was in the ship, it was just contrary. Now, I want you to look at this. Peter, three things happened very briefly, very quickly here. Look at verse number 31. 30. And when Peter saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. Now, Brother Gravely, Brother Brown, I have got to say something that's going to cause some people to think, and I'm not being mean. Because I'm fixing to say something that a lot of preachers say wrong. I've heard it all my life when he got his eyes off the Savior and on the storm, he started going down. Anybody ever hear that? Well, Jesus rebukes him, O thou of little faith. Can I tell you a Bible principle? It's so simple, we all know it. Faith doesn't come by seeing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, Jesus rescues him. He rebukes him. Oh, that little faith. And returns him right back to the boat that he left. I don't care who it is. I am fully convinced in my soul when anybody gets out Gets right with God, wants to get right with God. The first thing God will bring them is right back to that local church. In Revelation chapter number 1, John has that Patmos vision. And he said, I heard a voice. And he turned and he saw. And when he saw, he didn't see Christ first. He saw the churches. I am convinced from many places of the word of God, if you ever really start to get right with God, church will flood your mind. I need to get back to church. I need to talk to the preacher. I need to get with God's people. I'm simply saying to you, the devil tries to rob us of this. But he rebukes Simon Peter, oh, thou of little faith. And faith is not what you see. Faith is believing what God said. Get in the boat and go to the other side. Then he returns him right back to that boat. That he left from. Then the Bible said in verse number let me let me come on and read it. Verse number thirty one, Jesus immediately stretched forth his hand and called him and said, O thou little faith, wherefore did thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, isn't that amazing? The Lord could have picked him up and said, Peter, you're so spiritual, I'm gonna let you be the first one to get to the bank and just set him over there. Couldn't he not? He's not gonna bypass that church. You're not going to bypass the church. You don't get closer to God by leaving the church. You don't get closer to God. You don't gain any favor with God by turning your back on what He gave His Son to die for. Look at the last verse, verse number 34. And the Bible said, and verse number 34, And when they were come into the ship, and they were, they that were in the ship, well, verse 32, when they were coming in the ship, the wind ceased. Now watch me. The wind never stopped blowing when Jesus picked him up and started walking with him on the water. But when they got back in that boat, storms will stop in your life when you get back in church where you left out. Get back there where you left out and go back with God there. Now I want you to look at this, verse number 33. The Bible said, them they that were in the ship. That's those 11 that were left. 
the Bible said they came, they worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. It amazed me. They're not fussing at Peter. Look at this. You know, Peter would have got, the, the storm would have got stopped and Jesus got to the boat quicker if Peter stayed on the boat. Those other 11 are out there, five are one on one side and one another. Good possibility to preach. They just run around in circles while Peter's out there trying to survive walking on the water. See, the church needs every member pulling together to move forward to the glory of our God. And then in verse number 34, the Bible says, And when they were, in verse number 33, And they were, they, they were in ship, came and worshipped, saying, the truth, thou the Son of God. When they got back in the ship, the wind ceased. And the Bible said, Immediately they came to the other side. Now watch this and I'm through. You know how Peter got to the other side? Not by walking on the water, but by getting back in the boat. And when he did, peace prevailed. The storm stopped. I said again, it bothers this preacher. I spent nearly 57 years preaching to churches across this country. I've given my life preaching to churches. I do preach some tent meetings. I preach some other. But my basic ministry, Brother Brian, all these years has been church-centered. There is no substitute for the Lord's church. There's no second competition to the Lord's God loves a church. I know he told Peter to come. I don't doubt that. I'm just simply saying you're like he did to Balaam. Three times he told him not to go. Peter, I told you to get in that boat and go to the other side. And you choose not to do what I told you, so just get out and come on down. But he learned. When he came out of the boat, he's going down. He learned when he came out of the boat, he didn't accomplish what he thought he would. I wish I could drive that home. I got to close. But I want you to hear me. Listen. You don't prosper spiritually. Brother Gravely, Peter is willing, when he's not even sure it's the Lord, to leave the boat where God told him to. How many people, Brother Grusby, have left the church because a little storm come up? Wasn't even sure it was God directing them to start with. I'm telling you, God allows storms to come not to destroy us, but to develop us. And I don't know why, preacher, but God burdened my soul a week ago to preach this message tonight. Don't jump ship. Stay with a boat. If you're out of church tonight, before you'll ever be right with God, you'll be back in church. You'll get back in church. I don't mean to say it in the wrong way, preacher, but I'm just saying you can't be right with God and not be right with a local, visible church. Christ loved the church. He gave himself for He's coming back out of the church, and he set up the church for you and I to be a participating member in the church doing what God tells us to do. I go ahead and say this, and I am through. All you young preachers, any missionaries that might be here tonight, it's evil for you to start a ministry outside the authority of that local church. God just don't do it that way. I would not support a missionary that was not sent out and sustained by his local church. I wouldn't want to support an evangelist. I mean, you know, I know we got... 
drifting stars and eastern stars and western stars and everybody else claiming in the ministry. But God loves the church. And I love the church. And he's coming back with the church. So if a storm comes, I'm going to ride her out. Because my instructions is get in the boat and go to the other side. That's